All right, we're going to get started tonight. Let me say what I've said every Wednesday night uh, during this uh, leadership uh, 101 or whatever we call in this class. Everyone's a leader. Everyone is a leader. You may not think of yourself as a leader. You may not feel like you are a leader. But if someone is looking up to you, if someone is following you, uh, you're a leader. Um, If you are a parent, you're a leader. Uh, If you're a boss, you're a leader. Uh, If you have a friend uh, that looks to you for counsel or advice, you're a leader. So, you know, everyone in one way or another is a leader. These leadership lessons, not only do they work for you as like if you were a boss or you were uh, uh, you had a ministry. Uh, they also work for you in your family, in your home. So I hope that you will take these leadership lessons and realize that it's not just people that have some title or some position or you know something like that or high-powered person or whatever. No, if you just have a family, you are a leader. And uh, these leadership lessons uh, can be adapted and can be a blessing and help in that area as well. So tonight we're going to talk about servant leadership. And by the way, tonight is the last night, the last Wednesday night of these eight weeks of, of uh, cultivation classes and this one on, on leadership. So this is the last lesson uh, for this round. Sometime in the future we'll do some more and uh, talk more about leadership. But tonight we're going to talk about servant leadership. Uh, In your notes, most leaders like to lead by this premise. Do as I say, not as I do. Now, this might work with paid workers, but not with volunteers. But that being said, even paid workers or employees need to be led not driven. And we need to understand that we are leaders, not drivers. We are leaders, not drivers. Jesus was the greatest leader who ever lived. And he practiced servant leadership. Let's look at a passage of Scripture, a familiar passage, in John chapter 13. In John chapter 13, I'm going to read verses 1 through 17. John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. As we look at Jesus, the greatest leader to ever live, and see how he led as he practiced servant leadership. The Bible says that before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted uh, Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. 
So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. So Jesus, the greatest leader to ever live, practiced servant leadership. And in this uh, account, this story uh, of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, there are six things that I have pulled from this that I believe that every servant leader does. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Six things servant leaders do. Number one, in your notes, they lead by example. Servant leaders lead by example. See, Jesus could have, could have exercised executive privilege. He could have passed this job off to one of his disciples. Delegation is good. We've talked about delegation, and every good leader learns how to delegate. And delegation is good. And there's a time to delegate. In fact, most of leadership is delegation. But Jesus felt that this was too important to delegate. How in the world could washing dirty feet be too important to delegate? But truth is, Jesus felt that this was too important to delegate. Back to your notes, because this is the reason. Because good leaders take advantage of every opportunity to teach. Good leaders look for teaching moments. 
And so Jesus saw this as, a, as an opportunity to teach a very important principle, to teach servant leadership. See, Jesus was more interested in teaching servanthood than he was in getting dirty feet clean. See, this wasn't really about dirty feet at all. It was about servanthood. And Jesus understood that followers learn more by watching than they do by listening. May I tell you that your followers are watching you. Whether your followers are, are the, you know, the, the people that, that, that work for you in your, in your job, or whether it be your children who are watching, that you are leading. But your followers are watching you. And you are teaching them more by example than you are by instruction. Because whether you want to admit it or not, or whether you realize it or not, people do what you do, not what you want them to do. People do what you do. Not what they want you to do. Not what you want them to do. If they don't see you doing it, they won't do it either. So the first thing that a servant leader will do, number one, Jesus taught us that servant leaders lead by example. Number two, servant leaders They aren't afraid to get their hands dirty. The second thing that we can learn from servant leadership is, second thing servant leaders do, they aren't afraid to get their hands dirty. Write this down. It's not in your notes, but it should have been. If serving is beneath you, then leading is above you. Isn't that good? I wish I could say I said that. I didn't. I don't know who said it. But someone said it, and I think it's awesome. And it's true. If serving is beneath you, then leading is above you. If you're too good to serve, you're not ready to lead. If you're too good to serve, you're not qualified to lead. If serving is beneath you, then leading is above you. Servant leaders aren't afraid to get their hands dirty. Washing dirty feet was a disgusting job. See, see, it wasn't just dust and dirt they had to wash off. Animals ran wild. And their droppings were everywhere. Therefore, servant leaders sometimes get poop on their... Did I just say poop? Is it on the recorder? 
I just said poop. But it's the truth. Servant leaders sometimes get poop on their hands as they minister. Ministry can be messy. Leadership can be messy. See, ministry isn't just reserved for the platform. I'm teaching you what I've already taught my staff and I've already taught my deacons. But this is good for you too. Ministry isn't just reserved for the platform. The truth is, ministry on the platform is most effective. Ministry on the platform is most effective when the people in the congregation have watched you live it out in your actions. A few years ago, a gentleman in this church came up to me and got in my face and said, I've been watching you. And I thought, okay, what's coming next? He said, I've been watching you. I said, okay. And then he stuck his hand out and he said, thank you. I've been watching you. And thank you for living what you preach and living what you teach. I can take that. I sure did better than what I thought was coming. I just simply tell you that to tell you that people that you are leading are following you and they're watching you. And they're not going to do what you say. They're going to do what you do. So the second thing that we can learn about servant leaders is they aren't afraid to get their hands dirty. Number three, the third thing that servant leaders do, they do what others are unwilling to do. Servant leaders do what others are unwilling to do. I love the story of Mother Teresa. Someone observed Mother Teresa putting medication on an open leprous sore of a leper. And the individual said to Mother Teresa, I wouldn't do that for a million dollars. And Mother Teresa said, neither would I. Neither would I. But what she would not do for a million dollars, she would do for the love of her Lord. Servant leaders do what others are unwilling to do. Back to our story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. It was evident. It was evident that no one was going to do this job. In their tradition, it was traditional for them to have a servant there to wash the feet because they wore open sandals, the roads were dirty, and like I said, it wasn't just 
dust and dirt that got on their feet. And it was customary for them to have a servant to wash their feet as they came in. But there was no servant to wash the dirty feet. And they were eating. And it was evident that no one was going to do this job. They've already sat down to eat. The disciples probably thought they were too good to do this job. Because, again, it was a servant's job. It was a job for a servant, not, not for a disciple of Jesus, a disciple that had a position of a disciple of Jesus. They, they probably thought they were too good to do this job. They probably thought this job was beneath their dignity. But a true servant leader never feels too important to do any job. Humility is the number one requirement of a servant leader. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11. It says, Paul writes, and he says, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Although he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. And was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I love the story of D.L. Moody. It says a large group of European pastors came to one of D.L. Moody's Northfield Bible conferences in Massachusetts in the late 1800s. Following the European custom of the time, each guest put his shoes outside his room to be cleaned by the hall servants overnight. But of course, this was America, and there were no hall servants. Walking through the dormitory halls that night, Moody saw the shoes and determined not to embarrass his brothers. He mentioned the need to some ministerial students who were there, but met with only silence or pious excuses. Moody returned to the dorm, gathered up all the shoes, and alone in his room, the world's only famous evangelist of the time began to clean and polish the shoes. Only the unexpected arrival of a friend in the midst of the work revealed his secret. When the foreign visitors opened their doors the next morning, their shoes were shined. They never knew by whom. Moody never told anyone. But his friend told a few people. And during the rest of the conference, different men volunteered to shine the shoes in secret. Perhaps 
the episode is a vital insight into why God used D.L. Moody as he did. He was a man with a servant's heart, and that was the basis of his true greatness. Heard about a man who was presented a plaque for being the most humble man in the world. They took it away from him when he accepted the plaque. Servant leaders do what others are unwilling to do. Humility is the number one requirement of a servant leader. Number four, the fourth thing that fourth thing that servant leaders do is they do what needs to be done even when they are misunderstood. They do what needs to be done even when they are misunderstood. They didn't understand what Jesus was doing, but he did it anyway. Back to your notes, Jesus didn't allow Peter's not understanding to stop him. Even though Peter didn't understand, Lord, no, you're not going to wash my feet. Lord, no, no, you can't wash my feet. Why are you washing? He didn't understand. Even though Peter did not understand what Jesus was doing, Jesus didn't allow the fact that Peter didn't understand what he was doing to stop him. And people won't always understand what and why we do what we do. As leaders, as servant leaders, people will not always understand what and why we do what we do. But servant leaders do it anyway, if it's the right thing to do. Truth of the matter is, you can do the right thing, you can do the right thing and still be criticized we're doing it. I'm not sitting on my pity pot right now. I'm not complaining. I'm just telling you, I can't tell you how many times in 43 years of ministry I've been criticized for doing the right thing. Get a word from God and still be criticized for doing it. You can do the right thing and still be criticized for doing it. People won't always understand what and why we do what we do. Sometimes leaders have confidential information that helps them make their decision. No one else has this information, and it's confidential. So they can't get up publicly and say, this is why I made this decision, or this is why I did this, or this is why I did that, because there is confidential information. No one else has the information. It's confidential, so they can't share it. People don't understand the decision that has been made. They don't understand the decision that the leader has made because of their lack of information. If they had the information that he had, they would understand. 
Sometimes it's wisdom on his part that he makes a great decision, and sometimes it's because he has that last piece of the puzzle that nobody else has that completes the picture and tells him what to do, but it's confidential, and he can't share it. But because they don't have that key information or that key piece of the puzzle, they can't see the picture, and so they criticize their leader. But if he's a true leader, he's got the information. He's got the last piece of the puzzle. It makes the the picture complete. He's got the answer. He really doesn't have to make a decision. He's got the answer. But he can't share it. Jesus knew what he was doing, and he did it even though they didn't understand what he was doing. Jesus knew what he was doing, and it had nothing to do with dirty feet. It had to do with an object lesson of teaching humility and teaching servanthood. Good leaders do what needs to be done even when they know they will be misunderstood. Even when they know they will be criticized. And tr- Back to our notes, some people will never get it. Some people, they will never, they just never, they will never get it. Hey, if people misunderstood Jesus, who are we to think they won't misunderstand us? Do it anyway. We're talking about servant leadership. Six things servant leaders do. They lead by example. They aren't afraid to get their hands dirty. They do what others are unwilling to do. They do what needs to be done even when they are misunderstood. And number five, they refuse to complain or criticize. Jesus neither complained about washing dirty feet nor criticized the disciples for not doing it. Jesus didn't chastise the disciples and say, why didn't somebody here wash dirty feet? And because no one washed dirty feet, then here I am, Jesus, and I'm got to wash dirty feet. He didn't criticize him for not washing dirty feet. He just got a wash basin, filled it with water, got a towel, got down on his knees, and washed feet. He neither complained about washing dirty feet nor criticized the disciples for not doing it. I think it's kind of funny. It's ironic. I I see it all the time. Uh, People who are passionate about a particular ministry criticizing others who are not. For example, uh, people who are passionate about worship passionate about worship, criticizing others who are less passionate about worship. Or people who are passionate about Bible study, studying the Word. And that's, they're passionate about that. That's their passion. Criticizing those 
who are less passionate about it. Or people who are passionate about evangelism. It's all about evangelism. It's all about winning souls. Be critical of those who are less passionate. Or people who are passionate about about compassion ministries like feeding the poor, feeding the hungry, or, you know, uh, taking care of the less fortunate. And they are passionate about that, but very critical of others who are less passionate. What's interesting to me is that the people that I see that are so passionate about worship, yet they're a little lack in Bible study or a little lax in personal evangelism or but then vice versa vice versa I look at those who are all about Bible study and it's all about discipleship and I look around on Sunday morning and they're standing there with their hands folded and they're not participating in worship at all what am I saying servant leaders refuse to complain or criticize. Jesus neither complained about washing dirty feet nor did he criticize the disciples for not doing it. See, here's what we need to understand. We cancel out our effectiveness when we complain about our servanthood. And we lose our reward for what we have done when we complain and whine about it. Ever met anyone that was a really, really great worker in the church, but they wanted to make sure you knew how much they did? I actually had a man that left the church several years ago, and, and he just let me know, you know, do you know how many positions we hold, and do you know how hard it's going to be to replace us? I wanted to call him two weeks later and tell him, you know, it's all replaced. <laughs> that was tacky. I'm sorry. Don't put that on the... Don't put that on there. Edit this. Brian, could you edit this out, please? Hey, I'm I'm simply saying we lose our reward for what we have done when we complain and whine about what we do. Servant leaders refuse to complain. They refuse to criticize. The judgment seat of Christ won't won't just be about, and scratch out that, that blank there shouldn't be there, and just continue the sentence, all right? The judgment seat of Christ won't just be about the works we have done, but also our motives and our attitudes will be judged. See, Jesus isn't just interested in in the what. He's also interested in the why. And the how. Jesus isn't just interested in what we do. He's not just interested in what we do for him, but also why. What is our motive? What is our motive for what we do? And how? How? Do we do it with joy? 
or do we serve and do we complain the entire time we're serving? Servant leaders refuse to complain. They refuse to criticize. And then the sixth one, the last one tonight. Servant leaders challenge challenge their followers to do as they have done. Jesus didn't say, do as I say. He said, do as I have done. Jesus said, what you've seen me do, you do. And Jesus wasn't, again, he wasn't teaching them how to, how to uh, wash feet. He wasn't saying, you know, I want you guys to go wash people's feet. Hey, if the, if the occasion comes up again, yeah, you be the first one. Don't wait on somebody else. You be the first one to grab a, a, a basin and fill it with water and grab a towel and, and get out on your knees and, and wash feet. Yeah, yeah. But, but he was really saying, he was really saying, as I have served you, as I have shown you how to humble myself and serve you, you need to learn how to humble yourself and serve others. Don't do as I say, but do as I have done. See, you can't successfully challenge someone to do what you have not done yourself. You cannot successfully challenge someone to do what you have not done yourself. Some practical things. You can't challenge people to pray. Unless you pray. I can't just preach on prayer. I can't just tell you to pray. I have to be I have to pray. I have to pray. Most of you that are in this room right now, or at least half of you anyway, came since we've been in this building. But some of us will remember when we shared the building next door with the, with the Seventh-day Adventists. It was our building before, and we sold it to them, but we shared it while we built this building. And the pastor of that church told me one day, he told me one day, it's a compliment. I'm going to try to make myself look good. I'm just using, it's just an illustration, okay? So I hesitate, to, to, but it's, it's just an illustration. But he told me one day, he said, wow, he said, Pastor, he said, you have challenged me to pray. I never said one word to him about praying. I never talked to him about praying. He said, you have challenged me to pray. I said, I have? He said, yeah. He said, because every day I see you go in that auditorium and I see you pray. And he said, I go, wow, challenges me to pray. You can't challenge people to pray unless you pray. You can't challenge people to give. Unless you give. I'm talking about being leaders, a leader now. Hey, our church would never be on the top, uh, would never be one of the top missions giving churches if all I ever did was preach on missions giving. If all I ever did was challenge you to give to missions, we wouldn't be giving nearly $200,000 a year to missions. can't challenge people to give unless you give, unless you're a leader. If you're a leader, that, 
If you're a leader, that means you lead. You lead. That's the reason why I tell you what I give. It's not to boast or brag, and my wife cringes and hates it. But she, after 43 years, she understands it. It's not me saying, hey, look what I do. No, it's saying, look, I'm not just talking about this. I'm not just teaching about this. I'm not just preaching about this. I'm not just telling you to do it. I'm leading you in doing it. And this is what I'm going to do. Because you need to understand that I'm not just teaching. I'm not just preaching. But I'm leading by example. Can't challenge people to work unless you work. Unless you work. And finally, you reap what you sow. Write this down under that. You reap more than you sow. And you reap later than you sow. Wow, I almost uh, prepared two lessons because I had no idea how long this lesson was going to be. So we're going to get out really early tonight. Because I didn't take the next, and somebody say, oh, that's great. I'm glad you didn't go to the second one. But we are going to be out early tonight, which is unusual because I've been keeping you late. So I guess that's it. You've, I've been keeping you late every time, so this time I'm going to let you out early. But I need to remind you, please, we're out early, but nobody else is. So uh, please don't interrupt anybody's class, pull your kids out or whatever. I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't do that. Servant leadership, leading by example. Jesus said, to be the greatest in the kingdom, you have to be a servant. The kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. You have to go down to get it go up. Jesus said, if you want to be exalted, you've got to have to humble yourself. So down, you humble yourself, he'll lift you up. It's an upside-down kingdom. In order to get, you have to give. Give, and it shall be given to you. Getters are givers. It's an upside-down kingdom. To be first... You have to stand in the end of the line because the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Interesting, isn't it? It's an upside-down kingdom. To have the blessing of God upon your life, just simply do opposite of what the world teaches you and, and, and you'll be doing well. You'll be, you'll, you'll be doing right. Crazy, isn't it? Father, we thank you for this uh, eight-week uh, series of, of lessons on, on leadership. We've been all over the map with leadership. God, I pray, Lord, that those that have been here uh, every, every Wednesday night, Father, I pray that, Lord, they will not just, just listen and hear these lessons, but I pray that you will help them to, to uh, put these lessons into practice in every area of their life, Father. Make it a blessing to them. In Jesus' name. Amen.